Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books Network Literature Channel. I'm your host, Kendall Deneen, and today I'm speaking with author Susan Stinson about her delectable novel, Martha Moody. In the book, we meet Amanda, a fat woman with a vibrant, sensuous imagination who woos the woman she desires with a little help from the butter she makes from the cream of her beloved cow, Miss Alice. Welcome, Susan. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk with you about Martha Moody today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Kendall. I'm really happy to be here. So to start off, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. Um, I love the word delectable for, um, describe Martha Moody, by the way, that's really nice. Um, my, my first book was a chapbook of poems and lyric essays called Belly Songs in Celebration of Fat Women. And I published it with two other writers, Sally Belrose and Janet Alves, as part of a really tiny micro press collective called Orogeny Press. And we published one chapbook by each of us and one little anthology of work um, from the lesbian writers groups where we met. And that was in 1993. And in 94, my first novel, Fat Girl Dances with Rocks, was published. And in 95, the first edition of Martha Moody came out. And then it was nine years before Venus of Chalk was published in 2004 and Spider a Tree came out in 2013. So my books have always been with small presses, and the four, first four centered on the complex lives of fat queer women. And I also teach sometimes, most recently at Smith College. Thank you. So Martha Moody was originally published in 1995 through Spinster's Inc. Um, and now it's uh, well. And I'm wondering if, if uh, actually, if you can talk about that experience a little bit. Um, what was it like getting the, the the book published back in 1995? Well, you know, publishing Martha Moody and Fat Girl Dance with the Rocks came together. Um, I've been trying to publish Fat Girl Dance with the Rocks for so long that I finished a second novel before anybody said yes. And that's one of the reasons I like to talk about belly songs because, you know, I mean, it's still true that if no publishers are interested in, for instance, publishing a, a book by a, a, a fat queer, um, you can do it yourself. And that still becomes really powerful. Um, um, and being in, in lesbian writing groups was so important to sustaining my work through all that. And finally, a friend in one of my writing groups, um, Ellen Fry, told me about Spencer's Inc., which was publishing her first novel. And um, Joan Drury, the publisher and a novel- novelist herself, called me while I was at work to tell me she was saying yes to Fat Girl Dancers with Rocks. And um, she loved Martha Moody, too, and just assumed that they would be doing it. Um, she forgot to send me um, a contract until very late in the process. You know, so it was a very it was a very a relationship based publishing pro- process. And and the book um, also had British Martha Moody the first time around had British, German and Swiss editions. Adi- so. I I traveled to England and toured with it, which was, um, which was thrilling to me. That is so cool. I didn't realize that it had been um, 
yeah, published like in German. So my my best friend is German. So maybe I'll have to have her try to find me a copy of it. I mean, I don't speak German, but it was called um, Martha. So, of, on the, Martha. Oh, I can't. I won't try. It was like the, the the name translated is Martha flew on the angel cow. That's what they called it. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> So how did that compare then to the process of having the book when it was, you know, you got had the ebook published in 2020? What was the the process of the of the ebook coming out like? Well, it was pretty different in a lot of ways. I mean, and to be clear, it, it came out in a gorgeous new paperback edition, in addition to being an ebook from Small Beer Press, um, which is run by um, writers Kelly Link and Gavin Grant. And and I love um, Small Beer Press wildly, and I love having Martha Moody out in the world now. Um, But this edition of Martha Moody came out at the height of the pandemic. So while there was a fantastic online book launch with Elizabeth McCracken, a writer and person I love as well, and who I know you met, there were no events in the physical presence of other people. There still haven't been. Um, So in the 90s, Spinster's Inc. was part of a network of feminist presses, newspapers, and bookstores, and there was a lot of coverage from the book um, in those papers. Um, And I traveled across the country um, and and as I just said to the UK to give readings, I, I read at fat gatherings too. So it was a much more peopled experience. Hmm. It's, yeah, I didn't think about um, what that would be like having the book come out in 2020, which seems silly, I guess, that I didn't think about that. But I don't know, time is like an illusion now after <laughs> three really years of is. this pandemic and a yeah. Um, so I'd love to jump into the book now. So Martha Moody is is a love story, as I said, between a woman named Amanda and the titular character, Martha. Both women are fat and their fatness is really integral to the story, which is one of the things that made it so meaningful to me when I read it um, for the first time last year. Mm. So could you tell us why you, ch- uh, you chose to write this story about fat women falling in love? Well, I had come through a period of joyous exploration of fatness that sparked bursts of creativity in me that were, you know, like it, 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 it was a whole bunch of different things coming together. They, um, it was aesthetic and political and sensual, intellectual and spiritual and, you know, literary because I'm a writer. And I was trying to find language for my own body that felt more expansive and expressive and true, more true than the incredibly limited and often destructive language for my physical self that the mainstream culture had for me. You know, I, I, I felt like the cultural stories around fatness were just, and my fat body and my fat lesbian body were stories that I couldn't live within. So I had to write new stories um, just to give me a little breathing space, me and others. And, you know, I was going to fat swims and meetings and dances with other fat lesbians. So I suddenly had a context. Um, We did a fat radio broadcast uh, as part of International Women's Day in in Boston. And so I knew that people and specific people um, would be eagerly waiting to read a fat lesbian love story. And there's also a process in the book in which Amanda 
imagines Martha as a kind of a goddess, as a magical being. And part of the book is about the process by which they both come down to earth and get to be known and loved as full, flawed human beings. They, they don't have to be goddesses to be worthy of that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, I remember first connecting with you after I'd read this for my dissertation, my qualifi- qualifying exams last year. And as a fat queer myself, I, you know, I've, I've certainly uh, read a lot of books with fat characters and, you know, seen fat characters and things. And yeah, as you say, you know, the, what the book does with fatness is so different from what we normally get. And I remember reading it and I was sort of crying and I was like, where was this when I was growing up? You know, this would have been so... Uh, so important to read then, but of course it's still very important for me to read now um, and to be able to share with students. So I just really appreciate you um, bringing this book into the world. Mm, thank um, you. So if we could talk a little bit about Amanda. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> um, if you could tell us, you know, what is Amanda like? How does she sort of live her life and what motivates her to pursue Martha? Um, well, Amanda is unhappily married to a man. Um, this is sort of 19th century on the, the border of the 20th century. Um, she's a storyteller. Um, she's not, she's not content with the, um, constraints of her life. And Martha, who runs a general store is a norm, a a figure of enormous power to her. And she also has a, an intense physical attraction to her. Um, can you talk a bit about Miss Alice? Um, I loved I loved Miss Alice, um, who's Amanda's you know beloved cow. Um, yeah, what is her significance in the story? Yeah, I love Miss Alice too. I really do. Um, well, Amanda talks to the cow while she's milking, and she talks to her about things that she she can talk about. No no place else with no one else, not even her best friend. So Miss Alice is the sweetest part of uh, Amanda's daily life with her husband, John, and both Amanda and John love um, Alice. And when Amanda begins writing stories, you know, kind of tall tales, Miss Alice becomes um, Israel in the stories, a winged cow, golden and powerful and sacred and inscrutable and wise. So she's, both of those things, an ordinary beast and also a being of great power, you know, as maybe all of us are. Yes, I love that. <laughs> um, and of course, Alice allows Amanda to make butter, which is very important, I think, to the the plot of the story and her relationship with Martha. So could you tell us how does butter play sort of a role in the story? Sure, right, right. Alice, Miss Alice is a source of all milk and so the source of all butter. And butter has kind of multiple roles in the book for me. I mean, it's literally fat. So it becomes an element of sensuality and sex in this relationship between two fat women. Um, since of course their relationship is bodily based and they're fat. So 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 butter and butter is slippery. I mean, it's a beautiful um, like literally 
a, a beautiful material presence. It's also associated for me with making art, um, with creating. Amanda has to churn the cream to make butter. Um, it's meditative, it's sensual, it's solitary, and it feels, but not completely solitary. I mean, as you said, it couldn't happen without Miss Alice. So it feels like a source of life and of art. So you sort of touched on this earlier, but the book certainly examines friendship between women, not only friendship that is like necessarily super nourishing, but also friendship that maybe sometimes can't always do for the characters what they would like it to do. Um, and I'm just wondering if this is a topic this of, of friendship between women, a topic that you find particularly interesting or significant, and if so, why? I do find friendship between women really interesting. Um and in addition to a relationship with Martha, Amanda has a very close friend in Clara, and she loves a wild young girl named Ruth, and she's interacting with the women of the town um, in all sorts of ways, including taking part uh, in, or almost taking part in, smashing up a bar with Carrie Nation, who was a and the, a, a historical figure who who traveled the West, um, organizing groups of women to um, to smash up bottles of alcohol in the names of temperance. Right. Um, so I guess I'm drawn to it um, because of relationships between women and friendships between women because it's so important in my own life, and also because. Friendship between women can be volcanic, you know? I mean, um, right, it's not always, um, it's not simple. And and I, it still feels a little bit unexamined, underexamined to me. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of Audrey and Rich um, calling Emily Dickinson Vesuvius at home. You know, there's so much force to it and, and, it, and it gets trivialized. Um, so I'm drawn to it. And um, travel is also something that seems to be, <clears throat> excuse me, an important part of this novel. And I know um, from reading some of your other work, travel seems to be quite important in those um, in, in your narratives. So I'm wondering if um, you can tell us about, you know, what does travel allow your characters and Martha Moody to do um, that's important? Well, so they 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 form a traveling snake oil show um, near the end of the book. Um, so. I guess that's a spoiler, uh, but they get to be together. Martha performs Amanda's stories, so they make art together, and they can move through a culture that would deny them their existence in the small wagon world of their own. Like So they're still connected to the rest of the world, but they have much greater freedom than they would have if they had stayed in Moody. There's something so interesting, I think, about Martha being more in the sort of public eye because of, you know, the store that she owns <clears throat> versus Amanda who's at home. Um, and there's just something really satisfying, I think, about them taking up more public space, you know, um, at the end of the novel. So I just, yeah, I really loved that. Um, I also really love the way that you use nature in the novel. For example, um, you have uh, Amanda sort of remarking or thinking about these like bright shining silver fish that are in this creek in the beginning. Um, and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the, about animals and landscapes and like, if they're important for your work, if so, why? Well, yeah, they are. I mean, and here, like you said, the fish, Miss, Miss Alice, you know, why? I mean, part of that is probably because I was born in Texas and grew up in Colorado and then moved east and never moved back because 
I will always miss Western landscapes and creatures as much as I love my New England home in Northampton, Massachusetts. And also, they're just such, it, I find it such both a relief and also really fertile and, and really rich to sort of try to, um, try to, to acknowledge that they're, they're beings other than humans, um, on this planet and that the, even, you know, I'm trying to tell a different story about fatness, but even the ways I tell stories, I mean, the concerns and perceptions of animals are so are are different from humans in ways that I can only imagine. But that even that act of um, of writing them into worlds so that I'm describing of, of giving them some power and significance, um, it's both just I just do it naturally. But I think it it also um, helps me know the world better and um, helps me see more i guess yeah yeah the animals all feel very sort of tenderly rendered um in a way that i don't know they don't always appear that way in literature and so it's really striking um so i wanted to call attention to your contribution to the fat studies reader so you have an, a, a fabulous essay in there called fat girls need fiction um and i was wondering if you could tell our listeners you know why why is this why why um why do fat girls need fiction and and what do books like martha moody um do for fat girl readers oh it makes me so happy that you're asking me about that nobody's ever asked me about that essay and i mean fat girls need stories of all kinds i as i said earlier you know i'm trying to write stories that different s stories that that make it more possible for me to live my life um but we i think that it helps um it certainly helps me cultivate the ability to make skilled and daring imaginative leaps fiction does um it, it it builds empathy it builds emotional risk it draws on the evidence of of it, of the senses and helps you know draw our attention to it. so if you're fat, um, and you and you can rely on the evidence of the senses rather than um, you know just all the great cascades of language about what fat means and is and how you should feel about it. If you get down to if you're absolutely actually able to um, experience directly, you know you can find that it's soft and and really delightful to the touch. And it took me, um, you know, the work of great poets, like Walt Whitman comes to mind, and to participating in, in grassroots um, um, feminist organizing and fiction, like years of reading fiction, to, to even be able to find my own belly and realize that it was soft and lovely to touch. So, and that's just, I mean, that's one simple thing, very close to home. Um, the ability to, um, to, to make, to, to, to imagine other um, points of view more deeply, or at least to try um, to, to practice at taking emotional risk and, and playing with what, how that might um, play out. Um, I mean, among 
many other things. I think I, I quote Martha Nussbaum in that essay, and she talks about um, fancy. And, and one of the things she says is it's preference for wonder over pat solutions. Um, and yeah, all of those are, are, are just some of the gifts of fiction. Fat girls need it for sure. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm assigning fat girls need fiction as well to my undergrads, as well as Martha Moody. Um, uh, and one of the things I asked them to do, which I didn't realize I was t- obviously taking this from that Nussbaum um, quote, but, you know, to wonder, to just allow yourself to wonder instead of having to be right or sure, you know, that's something that I asked them to do in the class. That's um, amazing. So I think they're really going to love this essay. And I think um, I, I the book. Um, <laughs> but um, I was wondering, I always want to ask authors that I, you know, whose work I assign this and I never really got the opportunity. So, you know, I'm going to be teaching Martha Moody to my undergrads in the fall. Is there anything that you would like, you know, people who are, who are teaching your work, is there anything that you would like um, them to focus on or to discuss with students to make sure that we sort of hit on when we assign your writing? Oh, I, I love so much that you're teaching Martha Moody and, you know, what you just said about um, wonder. I mean, that could, I mean, you're already doing something that I hadn't thought to ask, but which is just so powerful and so delightful. Um, I guess, so what, what I thought of in, in relationship to this question is that, like, would be to try to notice the stories around human bodies including fat bodies, and to realize those stories can change, um, that there are other ways to tell them, um, that the motion of fatness in some ways an explicit link to the motion of water or trees in the world. Fat people move, like much of the world moves. We belong here. And that abundance of body and abundance of mind, you know, may be highly inconvenient in places that are standardized to maximize profit, but there are so many gifts to bursting out of constraints bodily and otherwise. That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Um, So for my final question, um, are you working on anything now that you'd like to talk about? And uh, maybe you could tell our listeners where they could find you and, and find your work. Yeah. So I've been working really for quite a while on a novel set in 17th century New England. And it's inspired by my novel, Spider in a Tree, about Northampton in the time of preacher Jonathan Edwards. And this book is inspired by his grandmother, Elizabeth Tuttle. So um, mothers and daughters love and betray each other as they take on strange qualities of sea lampreys in 17th century Connecticut. So the, the animal, the, the draw of writing about and trying to learn from um, other animals is just, is, is really front and center in this book. And lampreys live for five or six years in the riverbanks and they get much bigger and spend a year in the ocean and they return to the river. Um, uh, um, I don't know if you can hear the truck noise outside, but I apologize if, you, if it's making it hard to hear me. The lampreys return to the river and swim upstream to spawn and die like salmon. But unlike salmon, they don't go to the same place every year. They can smell their young in the banks of the river and go to the place where there are the most young lampreys. And in that way, the past is guided by a few, the future. So that's what I'm writing about. And 
you know, that could be something else to tell your students. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about. Um, at least I think so. And um, where you can find my work, um, well, I, I my my publishers at Small Beer Press also own a bookstore called Book Moon Books. Um, and they'll um, do mail order to any place in this country. So that's a great place to find it. And you can even get my first book, um, um, Belly Songs, which is a little chat book there that you can't find anyplace else, but you can get it from Book Moon. Um, and it's also all the other usual places you would get your books, um, um, most of my work. And um, I have a website, susanstinson.net, and I'm also active on social media Facebook and Twitter, and I'm thinking about starting a Substack. I haven't done it yet, but I might. Ooh, well, that would be wonderful. Um, I look forward to reading your next book <laughs> and rereading the ones that I have already. Um, thank you so much again for joining me, Susan. I really appreciate it. It's a big pleasure, Kendall. I'm, I mean, I think I'm just going to say aloud that I, well, you already said it, we met on Twitter and um, the way you engage with my work is, is really important to me and deeply moving. So, so I appreciate this conversation very much. Thank you. It's my honor. All right. Well, thank you listeners so much for joining us. I hope that you will check out Martha Moody and, and all of um, Susan's other wonderful books. I can say I just got my hands on a copy of Belly Songs and ugh. It is just delightful. Um, So yes, I hope that everyone will read it. Thank you for joining us again. Of course.